Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Welcome in to My Guys in the Desert. We're live from the VEASAN studio inside the South Point Sportsbook. Danielle Alvarez here with Wes Reynolds today. I am, of course, in for Matt Humans, who will be filling in on another show this week. But Wes and I will hold down the fort as always. And uh, we only have one NBA playoff game to get to, but we are going to dive into it quite a bit. Bucks minus two and a half now at Nets. Total sitting around 220 and a half. A lot of line movement we've seen here, right? So the Nets obviously looked like they were bound for the Eastern Conference Finals after winning the first two games of the series, even without James Harden, right? Bucks offense was struggling. They found a way to bounce back, tie the series up a two to two, but Kyrie Irving now dealing with an ankle issue. So out for game five. Meanwhile, James Harden, that is the big question for everybody today, trying to figure out if he's going to go in game five or not. Um, Adrian Wojnarowski has been tweeting about it. He said that Harden has been upgraded to questionable, determined to be cleared to play in game five. He worked his hamstring through a shoot around without any issue. So we may see him tonight. Line again was minus four just yesterday in favor of the Bucks. Now minus two and a half. So if you wanted the Nets, you could have got a better number yesterday. Uh, total also has moved up just a little bit from 218 yesterday. The Bucks are now favored to win the series. And they're also four or and of course, we're all trying to figure out if Kevin Durant's going to be able to deliver for us tonight. Game five, series tied up at 2-2. Wes, what do you think of this one? Danielle, Brady Cannon and I were on the Lombardi line earlier this morning on VEASAN, and when we were talking about this game, we said, look, if you want to grab the Nets, go ahead and grab them now just in <laughs> case they upgrade James Harden because that price is going to drop. And you knew it was going to drop at least a little bit, at least about a point, even if he was questionable. Now down to two and a half, maybe could see some twos before game time when it's official. 
potential that he's going to be in the lineup and then the market's going to react to that. But you, you knew at some point it's like, okay, now it's two to two. Things are getting a little treacherous for the Brooklyn Nets here with just KD of the big three. So you had a feeling he was going to at least try to give it a go. So said, go ahead and grab it. At least you've got the best of the number because it's going to drop and it has so far tonight. So Look, hamstring injuries, you don't really come back right away from. Remember, Will Barton had been out for it for a long time for the Denver Nuggets, and he came back, and it took a game for him to get used to it, and then he gave you some good production. Not enough for Denver, obviously, to stay in the playoffs as Phoenix now awaits the winner of the Clippers and the Jazz in the West Finals. But you got to think that, you know, it's it's go time. He's got to give it a go. And, you know, this is big boy stakes now as you're in the Eastern Conference semifinals. So it's like, okay, now we're up against it. We had a 2-0 lead. Now 2-2, Milwaukee relatively healthy going forward, except for DiVincenzo being out. So Harden's going to try to give it a go tonight. I was kind of looking to see how I wanted to play this because I just grabbed the early number, just grabbing an early number, not necessarily because I love the net side per se, but sometimes that's what you do in sports betting. You just take numbers and anticipate that they're going to drop. That's kind of like half the ball game here is beating the number. And then, of course, you've got to have cooperation to cash the tickets. But when in doubt, even though I know that, you know, people will say, hey, the point spread doesn't always come into play. Yeah, you're right. But you still want to beat the number. You still want to get a better number than it's going to close because more often than not, you're going to cash more tickets than you lose. So Nets backers could be in that situation tonight, but we, we, we shall see what I have for the series. I have Milwaukee plus one and a half games minus a dollar 35. So I was basically just saying, okay, if they get it to a game seven, then that series is going to cash no matter who ends up winning and advancing on the East finals. So James Harden back in the lineup. Obviously, when he and Kyrie are both out, Kevin Durant has a high usage rate. I think his usage rate has been like 48.5% mm-hmm. and has gone up a little bit. But so has Joe Harris. And they're going to need something out of Joe Harris. He had a rough shooting spell two games in a row in Milwaukee. But now that he's back home, he's shooting almost 50% from the threes, the best three-point shooter percentage-wise in the entire NBA. So you got to think that they're going to need something really out of Joe Harris tonight to go along with KD and then whatever you get out of the beard. Well, Kevin Durant's going to be like that old Bugs Bunny cartoon, right? Where it's like Kevin Durant scoring, Kevin Durant mm-hmm. on defense, Kevin Durant doing everything. Yeah, and he had a rough go of it a little bit. P.J. Tucker actually defended him pretty well. KD got his points, but he had to take, I think, like 25 shots to go ahead and get those. So P.J. Tucker, I thought, did a really nice job. That'll be an interesting wrinkle in the game tonight to see what kind of whistle P.J. Tucker gets. If he obviously doesn't get a friendly one, then they're in trouble a little bit because they don't have anybody that I think is going to defend him any better than P.J. Tucker really does and even P.J. Tucker has been struggling in his own right. Do you think the Nets can win this game if there's no Irving and no Harden tonight? I do. Uh, I mean, not not as confident as I would have been. It was just grabbing a number at four, but I do. But it's going to be banked on Joe Harris tonight. We have more NBA to get to and NHL and more right here on My Guys in the Desert.
Welcome in to My Guys in the Desert. I'm Danielle Avari sitting in for Matt Humans here today. We have Wes Reynolds on the desk as well inside the VSIN studio inside the South Point Sportsbook. We were just talking about tonight's NBA playoff game. Just one on the schedule. We have the Nets and the Bucks. Bucks are the road team here, but two and a half point favorite. Total sitting around 220 and a half. We were just discussing this game, and Wes, you said that you do have the Bucks minus one and a half games. Is there anything plus else? Plus one and a half. Oh, excuse me. Yep. Plus one and a half. That makes a little bit more sense. Uh, plus one and a half games. Is there anything else as far as the series that you would look at right now or total games played or even the series line? I think I'm going to stand pat here because mm-hmm. this would be, you would think, the rebound spot even with all the injury concerns for the Brooklyn Nets because if you look, the Bucks are not very good at defending the three-point shot. They go in that drop coverage and then Kevin Durant and these guys can just get them off relatively quickly. Same with Joe Harris and the rest of the shooters. But Brooklyn up in Milwaukee for those two games over the weekend. 18 of 65 from beyond, behind the arc in contrast to what they did in games one and games two. So you got to expect at least a little bit of regression to the mean. You're at home. And look, I'm speaking mainly of Joe Harris who shot about 50% in the Barclays Center this year. Now he He's good in any gym because he was 47.5% for the season, uh, really, re- regardless of where he was from beyond the three. But one key addition that the Nets get that I think is probably getting overlooked with the, the Kyrie Irving injury and also with the James Harden injury, Jeff Green did return to the lineup in game three after missing three or six games, rather, with a foot injury. So, look, had a little bit of rust. That's always going to happen when you miss a few games. So he was rusty in that first game. But Jeff Green, I think, is going to be really important tonight. He's not a guy maybe that's going to give you a lot of scoring. He's basically kind of one of the original 3 and D guys. That's kind of what everybody in the NBA, all the personnel guys look for, 3 and D, guys that can shoot threes and guys that can defend multiple positions. And that's what Jeff Green can do. He's a guy. He can defend bigs. He can defend guards. He can defend wings. So they're going to absolutely need him tonight if they're going to go up 3-2. As far as these other odds you can bet on in terms of the series, you can get the Bucks to win in seven at plus 325 or the Nets to win in seven at plus 225. You can also bet total games played. So over six and a half for this series plus 105. So if you didn't want to bet which team is actually going to come out, do you think we're going to see this go to seven? A little bit of plus money here? I do because, look, if the Nets kind of – rally around the fallen hero here with all their injured players, then they can go to game six. And obviously then Milwaukee's up against it again. They were much better offensively. I felt in game four, game three was kind of that slog to the end. It looked like an early two thousands Pistons Pacers series where the score was in the eighties and really both offenses didn't show up. Milwaukee certainly did on Sunday because I think Giannis Antetokounmpo, I think, finally figured out that he's really tall and he has really long arms. It's like a, if you remember the old cartoon Inspector Gadget, the go-go gadget arms, <laughs> and he has such long arms, and it's just like, go to the rim, man. Don't take all these threes. Now, what I was worried about on Sunday, having been on the Bucks for that game, is that he made his first three, and it's like, uh-oh. When he makes his first one or two, then he's going to keep taking them, and he did take four more and miss, so he was one for five. But I think he finally figured out, hey, man, go to the rim here and see if they foul you, even though he has not been a good foul shooter really all season. And in this series, he's actually gotten a couple 10-second violations at the line. It reminded me of Carl Malone, late 1990s. <laughs> a lot of people didn't even know about that rule based yeah. on what I've seen on Twitter. <laughs> late 1990s, early 2000s, Carl Malone, when they're playing these series deep in the West playoffs and then against the Bulls in the finals, you always had on the road that 10 count. And you could hear the audience going because Carl Malone took a sweet time at the 
foul line, much like Giannis does. Giannis has gotten a couple violations for that. So, you know, probably too late to say, okay, I'm going <laughs> to totally change my routine when we're in the middle of a series. And, you know, that's something to work on in the offseason. But I do think that this is at least the spot for the Nets. Now, you're only getting two and a half, so you don't want to make it a habit necessarily of chasing a bad number. But I do agree with the move, and I do agree with the guys that bet it at four and four and a half anyway, regardless of Harden's status. Real quick, looking at the other remaining series, we also have obviously the Suns already wrapped up theirs. They're moving on to the Western Conference Finals, but we also have the Clippers and the Jazz that went on last night. The Clippers are the favorite a little bit, at least on DraftKings, plus 103 to win the series. Jazz minus 125. Who do you think is going to come out in this one? I'm holding 180 on the series I got after game one, so I'm going to stick with the Clippers here. I do think that they're going to finish these guys off. And then the Hawks and 76ers, also the Hawks plus 240 on the series. 76ers sitting around minus 315. Your guess is as good. It's fine, Danielle, because of the Sixers really let one get away last night. They could have put that series on ice if they got that win, but that's what concerns you about this team. Sometimes they're kind of absent in the fourth quarter, especially Embiid in the second half, 0 of 12 from the floor. Yes, I know. I had them in a money line parlay with the Clippers, so they really let me down there at the end. They were up most of that game, but did not get the win. Let that one go. Uh, but we can get back to NBA a little bit later on. Let's dive into the NHL playoffs a little bit. We'll bring in our first guest, Dwayne Colucci from the Rampart Race and Sportsbook. Dwayne, thanks so much for joining us. Anytime, Danielle. I really appreciate it. How are you guys doing today? So good, Dwayne. Well, so uh, let's talk about VGK first, the home team for us here in Las Vegas. They dominated game one over the Canadiens, four to one win. What did you think of game one? Yeah, it was dominating. I will tell you that. I attended the game, Danielle, and uh, the Vegas Golden Knights were firing on all cylinders, and it looked like Montreal, after the first five minutes, kind of left it in the locker room. And I was getting really a sense that Vegas was just pushing Montreal around. And some of those Montreal players, you know, like Nick Suzuki and Kakinyemi, they weren't really, uh, you know, relevant in the game. And uh, credit to the Vegas Golden Knights. They played so well defensively. And Marc-Andre Fleury is just amazing. I mean, this guy, time and time again, he stopped some key efforts from Cole Caulfield on the doorstep, as well as Brendan Gallagher, and he actually outplayed Carey Price. So definitely the Vegas Golden Knights performed at a high level, whereas I didn't think we saw Montreal's best game just yet, but that was because of the intimidating factor. And once Theodore got it going, uh, the floodgates seemed to be open. Dwayne, Dwayne, if you had kids, it almost feels like these are your two sons fighting, Dwayne. If people follow Visa on a regular <laughs> basis, they know Dwayne Colucci is a big fan of the Montreal Canadiens and also of the Vegas Golden Knights residing right here in Las Vegas. So it feels like your two kids kind of fighting in the backyard and you just got to let them go and somebody's going to come out on top. But Vegas looks like the bigger, stronger brother right now to the Montreal Canadiens. Is there anything that Montreal can do? We know defense and goaltending is always a recipe and I thought Carey Price actually was pretty solid last night even though four goals were scored by VGK he was just up against it because you had Montreal really pushing the pace but we're still getting outshot we're still giving up more high danger chances than VGK what do you think this end result is going to be Dwayne is it going to be a sweep or is it going to be VGK in five or six what say you 
Yeah, Wes, I would probably say five or six. I, I think Montreal is good enough to get one in the Bell Center. And if Carey Price really stands on his head, which he did play solid last night outside of that first goal. I mean, he was diving all over the place. He made a phenomenal save, one of the top saves of the year, actually, in this contest. I think it's important to, to hope that Petrie could get back. He could help Montreal a little. And Suzuki, they have to spread the ice a little more. You know, Nick wasn't that effective. I think he has to definitely be more relevant. And, and you know, Cole Caulfield, he was flurry on a couple of key efforts where the game could have been a lot closer. And like you said, Montreal was trying to push the tempo, but Vegas is just, it looks like the bigger, stronger brother, and they were out shooting. That was a great analogy that you made. And uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, 966 save percentage. I, I, time and time again, this man just impresses me. And the crowd is also a major difference. It wasn't as loud as it was for game six against the Abs guys, but T-Mobile Arena is an amazing arena. This is now a hockey town, and it's just fabulous to see the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, you know, delivering in crunch time, despite me being a Habs fan. They definitely outplayed us. But I, I think if Price stands on his head, like I said, Wes, and, you know, they get a few key components going and maybe get ahead and stay out of the penalty box, they could win one or two games here. Dwayne, I was going to ask you that because I was wondering really how Montreal was going to come out in the first period because VGK, a lot of VGK partisans and, and homers basically were saying, okay, this is the game that worries me right here because they kind of slayed the dragon in the Colorado Avalanche, and so now they got to move on. They're big favorites. Now the expectations are, okay, we're going to play for Lord Stanley's Cup here. And then Montreal, you kind of thought, well, they've been stuck in these morgues basically up in Canada because they've had no spectators due to the COVID restrictions. Now they come in and they have a full house. Uh, do you think that that was just kind of a shock to the system or was it more just, you know, eventually water's going to find its level here? Well, definitely when handicapping West, I think it was a shock to the system. And let's not forget that, you, you know, you get off the plane and it's 110 degrees. Sure. So uh, I don't know how, you know, actually Montreal physically adapted so quickly. So they came out pretty quick, Wes, uh, in the first five minutes. But you could definitely see guys like Corey Perry were winded late in the game. Anderson was not existent. Uh, Armia, who's been very, uh, you know, solid throughout the playoffs, he played about four. 14 and a half minutes with only a shot on goal. So these are the guys and the factors that, uh, you know, they have to play a lot better for Montreal to compete in this series because Vegas, you know, they're riding high now. Beat the Avalanche. A lot of people say that was their conference final. Stepping stone to the Stanley Cup. Able to beat the Avalanche in six games with superb play. Mark Stone looked good last night. I mean, uh, the Knights are going to be a difficult out. And if Montreal is affected by these uh, factors that we discussed, Wes, yeah, definitely the heat, the crowd, 21,000 screaming fans as opposed to 2,500 in the Bell Center for the last couple of playoff games. It's a huge, huge difference, and especially this Las Vegas crowd. Well, we do have an NHL game going on tonight. The Islanders at the Lightning, 8 p.m. Eastern start for that one. Game two here, Islanders lead the series 1-0. to zero. Dwayne, what is your read on this game? 
This is a tough one. I, I tell you the truth, Danielle. I think the Lightning really have their backs against the wall. So I would definitely wager on the Lightning tonight. I probably will. I'm entertaining the puck line because of the big minus. We're up to minus 210 now at the Rampart in the South Point. So we're seeing a lot of Tampa Bay money. They definitely have to come out firing on all cylinders. They can't let Barzal and the Islanders get under their skin again and get that first goal. Uh, Valamov has been fabulous. He actually outplayed Vasilevsky in the last game. But I still think that Tampa is the better team. And if Kucher and Stamkos could start getting that offense going, it's definitely going to be important to get off on the right foot, especially at home when you're facing you know, a one nothing deficit, which they are in this series. And if you look at it now, all of a sudden, the New York Islanders are averaging more goals scored than Tampa in these playoffs. So credit to the Islanders and Barry Trotz, as always, they came out playing really well in that first game. Tampa's going to have their work cut out for them, but they could definitely do it. Dwayne, I was talking, we had a hockey guest on earlier on the Lombardi line this uh, afternoon, Rob Pozzola, and the Islanders are just a team I'm struggling to get a read on, too, because if you look at the raw numbers and if you get knee-deep in the analytics like Rob, our guest, does, they're actually better in the regular season than they are in the playoffs in terms of expected goals, in terms of the high-danger chances uh, not only they generate, but they allow – but for some reason, it's like the numbers don't say it, but the Islanders are better in the playoffs, even though they don't really pass the eye test. But somehow they get it done here. What do you what do you think that they're doing really to be able to get it done so much in the playoffs? Because they looked like they were better in the regular season, even though they finished fourth in that very tough East division. But somehow, some way, they're finding ways to get it done here in the postseason. Yeah, well, they're doing the little things, Wes. Uh, you know, guys like Bailey are just playing fabulous. Beauvillier, uh, Pajot, they have several lines. They're three lines deep, and they are all effective. Plus, they made that acquisition late in the season to get the two veterans from the, the New Jersey Devils in Palmieri and uh, Zajac. So that was two major acquisitions. And now Valamov seems, seems to be playing very well. So this is what – it's a recipe for victory because Barry Trotz knows exactly how to tinker this lineup and how to forecheck. And it's just a grinding style that they are now producing. And they really play well at home as well. The, the Nassau Coliseum, once you get there, this is why this is a focal game for Tampa Bay tonight because if you go down 0-2 – in the Nassau Coliseum, it's going to be difficult because that is an intimate setting and it's going to be extremely loud. The Islander fans are rabid. But, you know, Wes, they're just doing all the little things right. Uh, Pajot, like I said, he's one of the playoff scoring leaders. I believe he has 13 points already in the playoffs. And Barzal now is clicking. He's starting to score three goals in four games just you know, the Islanders have a very good team right now, and they're peaking at the right time. It's going to be difficult tonight. Well, with that said, we have just under a minute here, but the series line looks kind of like a coin flip here, slightly favored towards the Islanders at this point. Which team do you think is going to take the series? 
I'm going to stick with Tampa, Danielle. I got a nice future ticket on them to win the Stanley Cup. I got them at 12 to 1. I really think that they are the best team still available. I have faith in all their plays. I just love what Kucherov does. Remember, he is well rested, sat out the whole season, and you just have Braden Point, Cologne. These guys will find the back of the net. I think they're going to score at least three to four goals tonight. And I'm looking at an over in Tampa Bay, and I'll stick with Tampa Bay to win the series as well. Dwayne Colucci, the race and sports manager at the Rampart Casino. Dwayne, thanks so much for joining us this hour. Thank you, guys. As always, I appreciate it. Thank you, Dwayne. All right. Well, series line right now, Islanders minus 106, Lightning minus 115 on DraftKings. Do you agree with them, Tampa Bay in the series? Yeah, that's where I would lean at this standpoint. But Same. the Islanders are really giving them all they want. Like I said, they're a tough team to figure out. They they overperform their numbers, shall we say. Yeah, they definitely are hard to figure out. We have MLB matchups to talk about next on My Guys in the Desert. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, who's ready to catch Creighton? You know, watch Creighton. They play. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not gonna, the not the Big East tournament. Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That, like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, just I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> And then they're never at any of those. And then never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? You see the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. There's plenty to celebrate in March and
National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome back into the OddsTrader.com studio at the South Point Casino. Make sure you check out OddsTrader.com and download the free OddsTrader app right now so you can start winning with the up-to-the-second info you need. I'm Danielle Avari here with Wes Reynolds on My Guys in the Desert at the VEASAN studio inside the South Point Sportsbook looking at the MLB slate for the night. Let's start with Cubs and Mets, 7 p.m. Eastern start for that one. Alec Mills versus Taiwan Walker. What do you think? We have seen some movement on Alec Mills and the Chicago Cubs. I do agree with that movement. I'm going to be on the Cubs here as well. Starting to see in the 120 range, though, now down to about 125. I took him 130 in the morning, but... Taiwan Walker has been a nice revelation, really, for the Mets this year. Obviously, he takes a backseat to Jacob DeGrom, who's been the best pitcher in all Major League Baseball. But Walker, 5-2, and two, ERA just a smidge over two, but the XFIP is over four. Mm. So you got to think at some point there is going to be regression coming for Taiwan Walker, and I think it's getting bet accordingly in the market, really, by the numbers, guys, because you've seen this drop about 15 cents or so. New York, the lineup, they just don't always get the run support they got it last night but they're only averaging about 3.8 runs a game that's the fourth worst in major league baseball after the cubs really kind of struggled out of the gates at the plate now all of a sudden they're averaging 4.6 runs a game which is fourth best in the national league and you know their offensive core is starting to hit i thought maybe this team would be a little bit under 500 going into the all-star break and they might have to sell because they have free agents but i don't think they're going to they're right there uh leading the nl central thank you very much and obviously got that sweep over the Cardinals over the weekend Wrigley Field at full capacity for the first time a couple friends of mine from college were in attendance and said how live and what a great scene it was and then the Cubs what do they do coming off that emotion they lose last night to the Mets so now I think that this is a good point for a rebound Alec Mills I don't know how long he is going to go he's probably about a four inning pitcher because he's a guy that's kind of like you know in case of emergency, break open glass to throw him in as a starter because he's basically <laughs> a middle reliever. So he's a guy, though, he's 2-0, and has a 6-0 ADRA. He's obviously used to coming out of the bullpen. So he may only go four innings, and then they turn it over that Cubs bullpen to take over the bulk of the game. But that bullpen has been excellent this year. 382 XFIP, fielding independent pitching, so that's fifth best in the league. And Craig Kimbrell, kind of when we threw him out with the bathwater here, like, oh, he's done, he's washed up. He has absolutely rebounded this year. Only two blown saves so far. It seemed like he was blowing at least one a week last season. But Cubs bullpen is back. 
I agree with the move on the Chicago Cubs as the underdogs tonight against Taiwan Walker. So I don't need to look at a first five here. You trust the Cubs bullpen enough to take us to a full game. I do. Okay. All right. What about Yankees and Blue Jays? The Yankees coming off a loss to the Phillies, if I'm correct. Mm -hmm. My word. Uh, Jordan Montgomery on the mound for the Yankees. High engine Ryu for the Blue Jays. And Vladimir Guerrero Jr. of the Blue Jays homered in four straight games. He leads the MLB with 22. You think we'll see another one tonight? We very well could because the Toronto Blue Jays are very good against left-handed pitching, and that's what they're getting with Jordan Montgomery. Mm -hmm. One team that used to be very good against left-handed pitching that is not so much this year, basically like middle of the pack, maybe slightly over that middle Mendoza line and all of the baseball is the New York Yankees. They are not hitting very well. Aaron Judge doesn't look like he is going to be in the lineup tonight. I didn't really know what to do with this. Yankees only one game over 500. So there, of course, everybody actually now Judge, I checked that is now upgraded to go. He was going to be questionable as of this morning. So Judge will be in the lineup. But you're going to start to wonder and you're starting to see the articles if you're a New York Post or a Daily News or any of the New York newspaper sports sections reader. Now you're starting to get the columns. Okay, what kind of move will the Yankees make at the deadline? What's Brian Cashman going to do? He really hasn't done very much other than kind of moves around the, the periphery. He hasn't really gone after that blockbuster trade the last couple of years. Maybe there's the pressure to do it, but the Steinbrenners want to keep them under the tax. So maybe his hands are tied a little bit, but I would expect the Yankees got to add a bat at the deadline. Let's sneak one last game in here. A late game. The Phillies and the Dodgers, 10, 10 p.m. Eastern here. Zach Eflin versus Julio Urias. Uh, over is 10, 2, and 1 in his starts this year. 8, 0, oh, and 1 in the last nine. Phillies getting the money here from the overnight. They were about a $1.60 underdog. Now seeing them $1.40, $1.45-ish here. Zach Eflin has been very solid. Aaron Nola has been a little bit better, but Eflin has very much been that number two starter and has produced accordingly. Uh, just looking at this under getting bad, I think that gives a little value to the dog. Small lean to the Phillies here on the run line, maybe half on the money line. Phillies have scored two or less runs in half of Eflin's starts this season, so hopefully they give him a little bit more support tonight. Uh, and the Dodgers have scored six or more runs in 16 of Urias's last 20 starts. So something to consider when looking at that game. We have Bucks and Nets talk to get to next right here on My Guys in the Desert. We have a new feature on vcin.com. Every day, we're posting the latest betting splits on every game in the major sports with current odds and what percentage of bets and money are being placed on each game. Check this info daily to find out which games are seeing the most tickets written and if that matches the money coming in on those games to help you find a betting edge. And of course, we have all the odds, data, and analysis for every game as well. So start your next sports bet at vcin.com. And speaking of betting splits, we are seeing a lot of line movement on this Bucks and Nets game. Uh, our staff down they're like uh, tracking a murder or something. They could probably solve a murder <laughs> at this point because we're following this line movement for this Bucks and Nets game since yesterday. Let's walk it back here. Monday, 614, midnight Eastern time. Bucks 
minus three. They're favored by three. By 5 p.m., minus three and a half. By 7 p.m., Bucks minus four. Fast forward to today, 5 a.m., Bucks minus five. 10 a.m., Bucks minus four. 130, Bucks minus three. And now all the way up to minus two and a half at this point. So just so much back and forth we're seeing here. Is this all because of the James Harden? like uncertainty? I think it's certainly yeah. a big part of it. But if you look kind of in the morning, you kind of saw when the Bucks got to five, four and a half, four and a half is where the, where I saw it. I wasn't an mm-hmm. early bird to get that five, but I didn't even know that five existed. Yeah, I didn't either until now, the but five I did see a four five. and a half, but I know a couple of our crew here at VSIN, including <laughs> JBT, were on follow the money this morning and they thought it was an overreaction. And I think it was an overreaction too, in terms of that line, just getting so big here where all of a sudden you're seeing a Milwaukee team that was blown out in their first two games on the road. By the way, Milwaukee this year, just 22 and 18 away from Fizzer Forum and 16, 23 and one against the spread. Now you're taking on a Brooklyn team that since April 1st, even when they haven't had the big three altogether, 14 and two straight up and 12, three and one against the spread. So that number I think did get out of hand and was an overreaction. Then you started to see it come down to four and even some three and a halves. And then the hardened news came out where he was upgraded to doubtful. There was that Woj tweet and then Malika Andrews of ESPN put it out. Now he's questionable that he's working it out here this morning at about 11 Eastern time and seeing if he's going to go. So now it looks like he's going to go. Who knows how many minutes he's going to play. That's why it's such a crapshoot here. But even being questionable, the line has moved basically two points. Let's call it two points on average downwards here. We don't know how effective he is going to be, but I think probably as soon as he is listed, if he's officially in the starting lineup, which you would assume he would be, it's like, see what he can do right away and don't mess around with it if you're Steve Nash in Brooklyn. What's two days going to do for that Exactly. Exactly. See what he can do and if he can't go, then you're going to know immediately and then go ahead and adjust your rotations accordingly. So I think this is probably going to close to at tip-off time tonight at 7.30 Eastern time there in the Barclays Center. Maybe you'll see a one and a half at a couple books out there, but I don't think all of a sudden you're going to see it go to pick or Brooklyn be a favorite. I think two, one and a half is probably the bottom here for the price. So look, if maybe you laid the Bucks money line early, you have a chance if you had a middle, if you got on that Brooklyn plus four, like we were talking about this morning. So this is the spot certainly for Brooklyn to rebound because you don't expect that they're going to shoot that poorly from three point land like they did in Milwaukee. And it, and it affected everybody too. Even Joe Harris, who's the best three point shooter in the league, three of 13 in the two games at Milwaukee and the Nets, I think we're about 28%, give or take a couple ticks of a point in Milwaukee from outside the arc. Yes, it was not exciting to watch. Hopefully we have better scoring tonight. But speaking of scoring, the Bucks and Nets were the top two scoring teams this season in the past 25 playoffs. When the top two teams in the scoring meet, the under has gone 24 and 10. So 71% of the time under. The under is also 4 and 0 in the Bucks Nets series. Are we going to see another under tonight? Well, it's being bet to the over, actually, finally. Remember in game one, just those few days ago, at the close of business before tip off of game game one, it was 239 and a half. 
This opened at 219. You're now seeing some 221s out there, a couple 220.5s at BetMGM, also at Circa Sports. But by and large, I'm seeing mostly 221s, kind of even with the 220.5s. So now it's kind of like, okay, are we finally going to get that offensive regression? I actually thought we might get it last game. I had Milwaukee, but I also had the team total on the over. They came up a few points short, but... When it's a 20-point drop, it's kind of still hard to keep feeding into that under. It's almost like, okay, now that's been priced into the number, and I think that's why you're seeing some bettors go the other way. And and, and I don't know if they're necessarily betting it on a – well, it's a do factor because you never want to totally bet on the do factor. I mean, that's kind of something Might as that well I, go with your gut at yeah, that point. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think if you're doing that, that's something that a lot of, like, newer bettors, I think, do. Well, they've gone under, and sometimes they keep following it when the trend is your friend here but I think you are seeing at least a little bit of sharp movement to the over once it went to 219 it's like that's a 20 point difference in four (laughs) games yeah they haven't sniffed the over as of yet but with these teams and you watched them in the regular season these were high scoring games in the regular season these were not you know 92 to 88 type of games during the regular season. So you got to think part and parcel that Brooklyn is going to shoot better and that maybe Milwaukee has finally made those adjustments in terms of not just living by the three, especially Giannis. You've got other shooters like Forbes, like Middleton, even Brooke Lopez can give you a couple. Go ahead and kick it out to them. Drive to the rim and just attack and see if they're going to go ahead and send you to the line. You don't have anybody checking you one-on-one. And also Milwaukee, I think, could mix up the pick and roll a little bit where Giannis sometimes is the ball handler. And sometimes he's the screen and roll man where you can get him to the rim. And once he's going, he's going to be hard to stop. And you either got to double him or you got to foul him. Well, the total was 218 and a half yesterday, bet up to 220, as you mentioned. Uh, so it might be an opportunity there. But Bucks Nets against the spread. When we're on primetime action, we talk about whether a trend or a statistic is predictive or narrative. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind when you look at ATS odds, or rather results. Bucks 4 and 1 ATS, last five games as a playoff favorite. The Nets 3 and 7 against the spread in their last 10 games as a playoff dog. And 0 and 4 against the spread the last four games as a dog, regular and postseason included there. I like how you worded that. For the trends because that's something I always say on here is like use trends as a tool not as a crutch right because it's kind of easy because that's the first thing when you're like learning about sports betting and you see all these trends where they're 18 and 4 against the spread as a home favorite on a Tuesday night and it's like well that's 18, 18. and 4 yeah you know I, I gotta go with that so absolutely you don't want to be overly reactionary to trends and I'm not really using playoff trends at this point it's all about <laughs> matchups it's all about market and what number you're gonna get and playing on an adjustment or or against an over adjustment really in the price the lines are tight this time of year so you're never really going to get what i would perceive as a ton of line value in this game even though you did get it this morning if you got that five on the brooklyn nets well for example too in the WNBA, john ewing uh from betmgm tweeted about a uh ats spread for the WNBA, and i was like well you have to consider the teams playing the storm and the fever we'll get to that later in best bets we also have some nfl to get to next on my guys in the desert
What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are bust. You can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even posted to my my (laughs) Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. There's plenty to celebrate in March and Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome back into the OddsTrader.com studio at the South Point Casino. Make sure you check out OddsTrader.com. And remember, you can download the free OddsTrader app right now and start winning with the up-to-the-second info you need. We're back here on My Guys in the Desert. And by we, I mean Danielle Alvari and Wes Reynolds. And luckily, it is never too early to talk about the NFL, especially if you're a sports better. NFL season is year-round. So let's take a look at some of these divisional odds, Wes. Let's start with the NFC East. Actually, the NFC East and West are the two closest divisions from top to bottom. 
closest horse race here. So in the NFC East, Cowboys lead the pack here at plus 125, but the football team right behind them at plus 260, the Giants plus 350, and the Eagles sitting at 5-1. to one. Who do you like in this division? Yeah, and Dallas, I think, is the rightful favorite because they are getting Dak Prescott back, assumingly healthy. And uh, he was putting up career numbers before he got hurt, but the defense was not putting up career numbers. They were really bottom of the barrel in the league. So that's why Dallas, I think, tried to address this in the draft. Sean Lee, of course, retired. So maybe the heir apparent is going to be their first-round pick, Micah Parsons, out of Penn State. So this team has to improve, I think, defensively. Offensively, I'm not worried about these guys because I think the running game was so down with Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard simply because the offensive line was banged up. So if you have a healthy offensive line and the Cowboys finally realize, hey, we can run the ball behind these guys, this offense is going to put up big-time numbers, but it did the defense that they make enough ground, and I'm not convinced of that. If I was looking a little bit of a value play here, it would actually be the New York Giants, who I thought were very competitive last year under Joe Judge. I'm not saying they're going to win the division, but I think from a value standpoint, they are the team I would look at a little bit here. I think they've got a very good defense. They did get some guys for Daniel Jones, some reinforcements in that receiving core. So, you know, maybe watch out a little bit for the New York Giants because they were very competitive and surprisingly competitive. I know they did not have a winning record, but they didn't get blown out in a lot of games. No, they were, they were actually, you know, well within, they did not embarrass themselves. Obviously Joe judge was a rookie head coach. So you would expect he's going to be better. He had him play hard for 17 weeks too. And not every coach is really able to do that. So at least it seems like the New York giants that they're kind of buying in to what he's trying to sell here. So Giants, a little bit of my value team, but I do think the Cowboys, absolutely the rightful favorite. On the board, though, here, possibly the most winnable division. Yeah, it's still wide open. Yeah. What we saw last year. So it was makes that, sense that it, maybe the Giants could sneak it in. Yeah, it was an absolute battle of attrition down the stretch. It's like any one of these teams can win, and nobody saw the Washington football team coming, and they end up winning the division. They were very competitive at least in the wildcard playoff game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers before they made their Super Bowl run. And that was with Taylor Heineke. So now they have Fitz magic there. I don't think that he's the long-term guy necessarily for Washington, but he's a, he's, he's kind of Mr. Right now in, in that regard, because I think he's a guy that's a veteran guy. Obviously you saw what he did with Miami when uh, Brian Flores would kind of pull Tua. he was very liberal in terms of leaving Tua in the game or pulling him right away. It's like, Oh, you don't want to run the rookie quarterback's confidence. He's like, I don't give a damn. I'm going to pull him from the game and go with the hot hand here. And he went with Ryan Fitzpatrick in that spot. So look, he's at least, I think, going to be an upgrade over what Washington had, considering they had Dwayne Haskins, who of course did not even make the season there in the nation's capital. And then Alex Smith, uh, you, you just felt bad for the guy when they put him in the game, when he made his triumphant return after all those surgeries and they're showing his wife and kids in the stands masked up. So socially distanced there at FedEx field. And you could just see that his wife was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. You know, I mean, you fell for him. It was very uncomfortable, I think to watch and Alex Smith just didn't have it anymore. And now he is uh, currently trying out for CBS. Really, uh, really emotional season overall for the Washington football team, even with everything going on with Ron Rivera mm-hmm. as well. Uh, so, you know, Mr. Right now though, with Ryan Fitzpatrick, sometimes that gets you to Mr. Right. So, you know, mm-hmm. who knows with this Washington football team. The AFC East, though, let's talk about Coach Bill Belichick. The Patriots are plus 350 here to win the division. Dolphins plus 325. And the favorite are the Bills at minus 150. What do you think is going to happen here? 
rightful favorite in the fact of the Buffalo Bills because you really saw them take, I think, the big step offensively was Josh Allen, who kind of was this guy that can make big plays but was always really looking to run and not really make plays with his arm. He's not the most accurate guy, but he's got a rocket of an arm. And they finally let him make plays down the field. And Brian Dabble, who is the offensive coordinator, probably this is his last year calling the plays in the booth for the Buffalo Bills. He's probably going to be one of those guys. He's on that hot list. It's like you get a year when you're a hot coaching prospect where you're kind of on that list and you interview, but you're just putting your name out there. You don't quite get the job. And then the next year, all of a sudden, it's like, okay, that's our guy. You know, you hear some intel on him and it's like, oh, he interviewed well. We just went with another guy. We wanted somebody a little bit more of a veteran guy, but this could be a young coach that could energize the team. So Buffalo, I think the absolute rightful favorite, but we're going to see with Miami now with, uh, with Tua. They did bring in Jacoby Brissett. So he is a veteran. He has started in this league for Indianapolis, made a couple starts when he was with New England as well. So to kind of push him a little bit, but I don't think that they've given up on two. It was like what I mentioned a minute ago when they kind of would pull him a little bit in games. It's like, okay, they've given up on him. I don't think they've given up on him, but he's a rookie that needs developing. He came from Alabama where, of course, you know, receivers get open at Alabama. When Even when you're playing against SEC defenses, it's like there's SEC open and then there's NFL open. And NFL open is about eh, this wide, you know, very razor thin. So all of a sudden you don't get those lanes that you get when you've got all these Alabama receivers like Ruggs and these guys running roughshod over defenses. So Dolphins, uh, 325. Then you have the Patriots. Now, the Patriots did get very aggressive. You're not used to really seeing them get aggressive in terms of spending money in free agency because it's always like they draft very well they bring in the free agents at the right time and then bill belichick look uh he, he he's not gonna have you know be mr happy here he knows kind of when to get rid of guys he knows when guys are past their expiration date but they did bring in at least some better receivers because what you saw with new england and look i was surprised they signed cam newton because i don't know if cam newton i think he might be past his expiration date as a real truly good starting nfl quarterback you saw him short arm and throws but he didn't exactly have a lot of guys to throw to so now they bring in Kendrick Bourne. They bring in Nelson Aguilar, who is a free agent here from the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, they did draft, of course, uh, a couple guys. So they at least have some more weapons on offense. I don't know if it's enough. I think the offensive line is going to be very good. New England is going to be competitive, and they're one of those teams I'm going to want to take in spots where they're underdogs this year, and you're going to have them more than you usually have in a vintage New England Patriots year because they do get defensive reinforcements back. Remember Hightower opted out of the season due to COVID-19. So he's kind of the quarterback and the leader of that defense along with Cal Van Noy. They still have a very good secondary with Gilmore and with Devin McCourty. So this is a team that I think is going to stay in games on the basis of their defense. And that's going to be the stronger unit. It's just, can New England be somewhat competent on offense? And you saw why they drafted Mac Jones, you know, kind of in case Cam Newton doesn't work out. It's like, okay, kid, here you go. And they were looking for a quarterback. They want to develop a young quarterback. If they like Jared Stidham enough, they would have already had him in in place of Cam Newton. So, you know, oh, still, I think more of an open division than the price would indicate, but the Bills are the rightful favorite, and I'm not looking to bet against them. And you talked about the Patriots spending spree. I think we were all surprised to see that, especially from the Patriots team, and we'll get to see if it pays off for them or not. Uh, the NFC North, the Packers are the favorite here. 
minus 121. And the biggest question mark on the board, perhaps, Aaron Rodgers, we don't know if he's going to sit out, how far he's going to take this. So how are we going to see these odds adjust if Rodgers is gone or is sitting out? Yeah, and, and that's why this is in a holding pattern, and I haven't really gotten involved with this. It reminds me of a conversation that I had with Chuck Esposito, who's the racing sports director out here at Sunset Station, and he, of course, being a Chicago native and a longtime Chicago Bears fan, he was thinking, you know what? What the Bears are going to do at quarterback may be deciding on what number 12 is going to do in Green Bay. If all of a sudden 12 goes out to the West Coast, then maybe this is wide open in Chicago and maybe we go ahead and say, okay, Justin Fields, okay, rookie, here's your show because all of a sudden the division is wide open because even though Jordan Love isn't necessarily a rookie per se out of a draft class, this would be his first time starting and really getting any extended playing time. So all of a sudden the division opens up when it's when it's Aaron Rodgers gone. But if he's back and look, uh, Matt Nagy, I think uh, came out today, I saw a report and we may get to it later in the show that that uh, Andy Dalton is going to be the starter. Yeah, there's no scenario yeah. that Justin Fields is starting well, for them and, week and they one. did give him $10 million. And look, I thought <laughs> Andy Dalton was actually pretty solid in relief of Dak Prescott in Dallas. He didn't get him to the playoffs, but that wasn't really all on him. He had a banged-up offensive line, and because of that, opponents could key on the running game. And really, the Red Rifle at this stage of his career is more of a game manager type. He's not necessarily the Red Rifle or the gunslinger anymore that he was early on in Cincinnati. So I thought he did a very solid job, but he was having to make up for such a bad defense, especially in that secondary where it's like, okay, I got to win a bunch of shootouts. And I don't know if Andy Dalton at this stage of his career is built to win shootouts. I think he's built to manage the game and have a good defense, get stops for him, have a team that can run the ball. So it's not surprising to me because Brady and I were talking about that this morning on Lombardi line. It's not a real surprise that Andy Dalton, I think, is the favorite to start. And I was like, you know what? I would still lay that price because I just don't think that they're going to throw fields in right away. I think they're going to give Andy Dalton some time, especially if Aaron Rodgers does end up back in Green Bay. Because it's like, okay, coaches are kind of going to be creatures of habit. They're going to be like, okay, let's go with the veteran guy. I don't want to throw the kid out there too quick and wreck his confidence and raise the expectations too high for him. So we want to keep it reasonable, manage expectations. So I haven't done long story short. I haven't done anything with this division because obviously the best player and the most high profile player in the division, we don't know 100% that he's going to be with that current team. I'm starting to lean to the fact that I think financially for both sides, it's better if he returns to green Bay. You mentioned Justin Fields. When do you think we will see him start? Do you think we'll see him earlier in the season or more towards the second half? I would say, I know they had the quick hook this year for Trubisky when they uh, started Nick Foles. I would say probably about week six, week seven. All right. Well, the Bears are plus 350 to win that division. We don't know what is going on with the Packers and the Vikings behind them at plus 225. So lots to consider. We didn't get to all these divisions, but maybe we'll dive into them a little bit more in the second hour coming up on My Guys in the Desert right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Have 
you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. <laughs> I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner. The rise, the fall and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. 